That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. Welcome back to the Ghost Goal Podcast. Liverpool inched closer to a title this past weekend. Manchester City and Chelsea getting huge wins. Manchester United getting a nice win over Watford. And Arsenal got a nice win over Everton. Welcome back to the Ghost Goal Podcast. I'm Andrew Pissarro. We got Alex Moss along for the ride tonight. No Javier, unfortunately. Alex, how are we doing, buddy? Could be better. Uh, coming off an embarrassing loss as a Chelsea fan on Tuesday night, but not entirely uh, surprising. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit later. We're right smack dab in the middle of that uh, really, really tough stretch of games for Chelsea right now. So it's important to not get too caught up in, in the highs or the lows. And we've had pretty high highs and pretty low lows this week. So... Um, yeah, that's my uh, that's my Javier impression for the week. The guy who uh, the, the, oh no 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 hold on that's not accurate. Your Javier impression. <laughs> well, no, just immediately Arsenal launching into back. my own team. Like oh, everything's about oh, yeah. my like like my perspective as a Chelsea. Fan. Yeah, I mean, it's been an emotional four days from Saturday to uh, yesterday. The the Bayern game and a lot of swings. Yeah, that was. That was a that was a rough one. Serge, shout out Serge Gnabry, who played has played two games in London this season, has six goals, which is uh, more than West Ham's striker that they signed this offseason. Hey, only two of them at Stamford Bridge. Uh, yeah, I want yeah, I want to make yeah. it clear that the four, other four were at Tottenham, so uh, that's mainly their fault. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, Robert Lewandowski apparently is going to miss the second leg. I don't think that's going to affect the uh, the outcome. Yeah, I'd at say all. he did enough uh, in also- one game to pretty much dispatch us. <laughs> yeah. I very vehemently defended the fact that uh, Bayern are not going to go uh, Barcelona themselves and lose uh, 4-3 to Chelsea on, on Twitter.com today. But, um, yeah, but you can follow our musings along at Ghost Goal Pod at Andrew Pissarro at ASMOS92 for Alex. Uh, let's get right into it. We'll talk about that Chelsea-Tottenham game in a moment, but I want to talk about, let's start off the show, we'll talk about Leicester City losing to Manchester City, Gabriel Jesus getting the goal in this one. Kind of a game for me, for what I watched, where just neither team really had that final that final ball to really score. Uh, a little bit of sloppy play at times, but Manchester City definitely deserved to get the win, but finishing could have been better on both sides. Uh, this was an important win for Manchester City in the sense that they kept up with Liverpool. No, it's not. Quote, no, it's I mean, not. We, we could still win. The, we're still going to win the league in four games. Like, it, that's it, gonna it, keeps, like, it keeps City in second place and like no sort of like yes. a, a hint of like them dropping off even more, you know. Yeah, but as we've talked about on this podcast, second place might not mean anything for them anyways. So, you know, anyways. But, yeah, but, you know, there's uh, a pride aspect, I think, to, you know, not yeah. finishing below Leicester. I, I, well, I'll say this. If I was a Manchester City fan, yeah, I'd be, you know, I'd be happy with the Leicester win. I'd be, I'd be over the moon with the result that they got in the Champions League today. They went to Real Madrid. They got the two-one victory. That's that's really all that matters. Uh, the the bigger the bigger big week for Gabriel Jesus. Thing I'd be, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd be scared about the injury to Laporte going off after 33 minutes in the Champions League. Yeah, today, that only but. just happened a few hours ago, so we're not sure what the extent of that is. I mean, it's good that exactly. he was able to walk off, and he was able to. 
um, I guess, recognize uh, <laughs> just how bad it was. I think he, he played in this Leicester City game on the the weekend, too, and took himself off at halftime. Just said to Pep, like, I, I don't think it's a good idea if I keep playing with uh, the, the Real Madrid away leg in the in midweek. Um, still get ends up getting injured against Real anyway, but uh, they really showed a lot of fortitude that I think people were maybe not like completely questioning because we've seen them bounce back from a 10-point deficit last season and still win the league and win plenty of domestic trophies. But in Europe, we saw them go down uh, at Real today. They were probably the better team for most of it, and then they get punched in the mouth uh, from that counterattack and just sort of methodically over like a five or ten minute period just get just work their way back into the lead and uh, manage to not waste great performances from De Bruyne and Gabriel Jesus. And I'm not sure if he, he's like 100%, like if it's 100% happening right now, but I'm interested to see whether this is like truly the beginning of the Gabriel Jesus like renaissance as like their, their main center forward at Manchester City because in these two uh, pretty important games against uh, tough opposition, I think you could say that the Leicester game is probably like an audition for the Real Madrid game on uh, uh, today. Uh, Jesus has come up huge, and his work rate is something that Aguero can't uh, duplicate. He's not going to be able to do that. You just have to force feed him the ball. And in these kinds of games, I think you, you, you don't you don't uh, really understand how important it is until you don't have it. And all of a sudden, your your possession stats drop off drastically, and you're far more uh, open to just being attacked by a, another great side like Leicester or, or, or Real Madrid. But when you have that work rate up front, especially uh, and the willingness when City have the ball to still get in those positions that Aguero gets in, and get on the end of a great little Mares uh, pass on against Leicester, and then on the end of a great cross from De Bruyne earlier today against Real. I think you have to keep running with him, uh, and uh, that's no. I'm not trying to be like offensive to Sergio Aguero, but how, ma- how many more years is he going to be at like the top level there? And I'll, have they won the Champions League with Aguero? I don't think so. It's like you're getting results with Jesus. No, they keep him in the lineup. Confirmed they haven't for all the reasons I just yeah. stated. I, you need that work rate so much for for just. I mean, look, I my favorite striker is Roberto your, Firmino. Your, who's not your man, uh, David Mossy, was on Twitter today uh, comparing Jesus' performance today to uh, Bobby Firmino. Exactly. And and they are... I think Jesus has more of an eye for goal than Firmino, where I think Firmino has more of an eye for the assist, if we're being 100%, which is why oh, yeah, I absolutely. think... Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, which is why, like, if Klopp were to go by... Uh, you know, Timo Werner's name has been linked to Liverpool very heavily over the last couple weeks, which is why I think Timo Werner could still come into Liverpool and maybe you drop one of the midfielders and you, you move Firmino back into that 10. I think that would still fit as, like, a as a realistic option for Liverpool, but... I don't know, because uh, you have you two other that... forwards who, who do have an eye yeah. for goal. The whole point of Firmino not needing to have an eye for goal and being more of a facilitator is because he has those Mane and Salarons being made so aggressively and so constantly on both sides all the time. It's fair. I've listened to, there's a Liverpool podcast that I listen to, and and they have talked about how Mane and and Salah have not been as clinical this year. I mean, Mane or Salah in particular. They've still been pretty good uh, just because they haven't reached the same super high standard of before. Exactly. That's, 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 again, the results that matter. We're still winning. We're still we're still winning. That's really all that matters. But yes, I I, I do think though Liverpool are going to bring in some sort of forward attacking talent because you're going to lose 
Mane and Salah to the Africa Cup of Nations next January for potentially up to six matches. You're preaching and to the choir, you, man. And Chelsea so, had to go through that yeah, for like a good five or six years where you're trying to find people in the transfer market who are good enough for your team, but at the same time aren't going to be pissed off about sitting behind like players like Drogba or SCN uh, for the majority mm-hmm. of the season, but you just kind of needing them basically for that one really busy stretch from December to January. It's well, the, other one, to do. the other thing too is Salah could play and will probably play in the Olympics for Egypt, which means he's probably won't start do the season both? with us. Yeah. I thought he was like, I mean, beefing with the, the Federation and everything. Also the Olympics might not happen of, now because of the coronavirus. Well, also being, true. It's being whispered yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty scary. Tune in Not for our really Olympics good, podcast good later on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're going to do that one. I mean, I love this game, but I don't know if I'm going to do a podcast on the U23s plus three, a three older It's also players. a complete shit show to predict. It's like it's oh, never it's goes so the way hard. you think it's going to unless it's Brazil in Brazil. Yeah. Also, I mean, we're, we've got the Euros. Let's let's be real. We know what we're going right. to do, be doing with our summer coverage on this podcast. Let's come on. Uh, what a tangent from a tangent. I love that. That was great. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, we're 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 deep in the hole today. Let's let's be real. Uh, I, I I do want to jump. I want to leave this Manchester City game because I watched more of Manchester United Watford, and I will say from what I watched. Oh, and can look, I just, Bruno Fernandez. Can I just mention about first, the the City game? Yes. Sorry, the 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 Real Madrid mm-hmm. one. I think it's important to note that they became only the second English team to ever win a, a Champions League game. Obviously, a Champions League game at, at the Bernabeu. Team. Who was the who was the first? Arsenal did it. With I thought they were Henry the only one at one point. Liverpool did it in two thousand nine. Maybe it was a maybe it was a knockout round specifically. Maybe it, must it was have been that. That, then. that would make sense. Yeah, I saw. I saw Bleacher Report put out the stat that the third team to ever win, English team to ever win at the Bernabeu. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's only the second knockout. Yeah, round. but the that that win, the one nil win, where Henri scored probably one of the best goals of his career, and they eventually went to the Champions League final and lost to Barcelona. That's considered, I think, even to this day, the greatest win of that uh, Arsenal side. The it wasn't the Invincibles team, but it was like two years after the Invincibles team. And that's like considered their 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 greatest ever results to to go away to that Real Madrid team that I think ended up winning the league that season under Capello and beating them in the Bernabeu and going through to the next round from it. So for City to duplicate that, especially from a losing position, with Real Madrid on like a pretty good run of results right right now, even though they've I they've lost two in a row now and have Barcelona coming in this weekend, it's still a huge yeah. result for City. And uh Who's the Rodrigo? Their like young, their young Brazilian winger. The other young, like teenage Brazilian winger they have is suspended because he got himself sent off in a game for Real Madrid's B side. Oh, so he's well, Vinicius has been making up for it. He's been playing pretty. He's playing. Yeah, he's played well good. today at least. Yeah, yes, he did. All right, let's jump back to Manchester United real quick because there's just a couple quick things I want to. They got a three 0 victory over Watford. Bruno Fernandez gets his first goal. He picks up an assist. Martial scored in the 58th and Greenwood in the 75th. There were definitely parts of this game where Watford were were were, give, were keeping up with Manchester United before they finally broke through. And like I was looking at this Watford lineup and it's like this midfield and the front line is like it's really not that bad. And then you look at the back line and you realize why they've been in the relegation zone for like most of the season like there it's to me there are so many players on this team that are going to get picked off for by like other Premier League teams that will be will absolutely be playing in the Premier League next year like whether it's not Saar but like Will Hughes will be playing for somebody and like Will Hughes will get signed by like See, I'm still like I'm still not uh, like 
I know they're in the relegation zone, but I'm still not as worried for Watford as I obviously was like earlier in the season when they were just completely rock yeah. bottom. Like I know they're they're on a bad run of results now, but you know at the end of the day they still went to Old Trafford. Like that's not an easy game for teams in the top like four, top six. We lost there four nil earlier earlier this season. Like it's uh, it, it it can it can kind of not sneak up on you because it's obviously a huge fixture in every team's uh, fixture list. But that I don't want to say that wasn't a penalty that Fernandez got. But I remember looking at it and just thinking, like, that's that's only a penalty at Old Trafford. <laughs> and I know we have VAR now, but, you know, I was still just kind of thinking, like, uh, really, that we're, we're given a penalty for that now? But, I mean, I guess uh, I guess it's, it, we were right, me and Javier, about Bruno Fernandez being the catalyst of breaking down that, that Watford low block because he was the one who won the penalty and scored it himself. And Martial's on like a nice little run now. That, that's three games in all competitions uh, that he's scored in uh, in a row. So he's uh, he's heating up in, in Rashford's absence and the, God only knows they needed that. They needed that and yeah. Bruno Fernandez to start uh, showing up right away fresh off this uh, transfer from Lisbon. So I didn't get to watch. I think I kind of half watched this one. I was like focusing more on other yeah, games. Yeah, same. I only would, I would love to, I mean, I wouldn't actually, but you have to ask what would this Manchester United team be like if they, you know, signed Bruno Fernandez in the summer like they were supposed to. I mean, they'd probably be in the top four right now. Yeah. They'd be in a much better like, position it, it, than, than they are, which is, you know, still not irredeemable, but... It's uh, it's gonna be a tough running for them for sure. Absolutely. I mean, they're done with Liverpool. So they still have they still have big games to play, and they definitely they are on forty one points. They're three points behind Chelsea, and they're you know, it, depending on what happens with Manchester Manchester City, they could be into the Champions League. They're obviously gonna want to take down Chelsea for that fourth spot, or or hope that Leicester crumbles, which we'll see. I don't think that's personally gonna happen, no. but. Uh, they are they are in fifth place, which could be a Champions League spot. We will see how that plays out. Let's go to Arsenal taking on Everton, which is probably the wildest game of the weekend. Uh, Calvert Lewin got a goal within the first minute. Uh, Inkita score uh, scores and got the start. Inkitia, <laughs> I watched that game, but I did not have the sound on. I was at the office. Aubameyang scoring in the thirty third. Richarlison scoring right before halftime, and then Aubameyang right off the rip in the forty sixth minute. This game was wild. Everton are frauds. Arsenal are frauds. This game easily could end at 4-4. And as someone who who bet the score draw 20 minutes before kickoff, I'm still mad about it because I think I got it at like plus 340 or whatever. And it I should have gotten the score Didn't I give draw. that out? This, the, yeah, this I gave that out at plus 330 last week. I was close. I felt really good yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, so did I when I bet it on Sunday morning. And... We're cowards for betting score draws, though. That's the lesson here, Andrew. We have to be decisive. Yeah. You know, it's. I don't, wouldn't say it's quite as bad well, as betting I, the under. It's not quite that defeatist, it, but it's, I know it's, it's close. Real cowardice. If you want to talk about real cowardice, is me tweeting on Monday or Sunday afternoon, I think I should bet the over in the Liverpool game and then not doing it. And it right, you even put in writing and didn't and do five it. five goals. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You should just have I a really, rule that you're really not going to tweet anything like that until you've actually done it already well i'm giving up gambling for okay that's a so (laughs) which sucks because i already found like three lines that i absolutely the catholic church already like kind of negative towards like gambling in general so like isn't that being like i'm i'm giving up 
what do you call it? Uh, sex outside of marriage. It's <laughs> like the Catholic Church is like, you shouldn't be doing that anyway, man. And you're like, yeah, but I'm giving it up, you know, you know, praise me. I'm only doing it because of this podcast, okay? That's the only reason I'm gambling, guys. That is the only reason that I gamble, okay? I'm giving that it up. That is not true. You definitely days. have have <laughs> done some fucking NFL gambling. You work for the NFL like channel is serious. Like you definitely have thrown some money on NFL games from insider information from here and there. Like, ah, Hear Dak Prescott's uh, limping on that left I'm, ankle this week. I'm not commenting on this. I'm not commenting on this allegation, Alex. You're right. Sorry, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. I have no insider yeah, knowledge. I'm, I'm simply fucking with Andrew. <laughs> Anyways, Arsenal took on Everton. This game was wide open. This was a fantastic game. Like, it was... It was also, shout out Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who's got like 13 or 14 goals this year. Like, really out of nowhere. I mean, not out of nowhere, but I didn't expect this type of haul from him. Everton are definitely a team. They're they're still missing a couple pieces, but so is Arsenal, which is why I think this this was the immovable object up against the unstoppable force. That you, you knew there were going to be goals in this game. There was no way there wasn't. But I think we've done this bit before, but I think it was the... the- complete opposite the the movable object versus the completely stoppable force like yeah like i think i texted i I said on the podcast with javier but he forgot so i reminded him when the lineups were released that richarlison and calvert lewin were going to have an absolute field day calvert lewin especially bullying those center backs i think it was mustafi and david louise it was definitely david louise i can't remember who the other one was but i i mean they've been playing well under arteta i wasn't trying to be like completely uh, aggressive towards them or, or down on them, but uh, Calvert Lewin and Richarlison have been playing really well too. And the, the very first minute, basically off a set piece for Calvert Lewin to just put a body on a couple of players off the set piece and then finish it off himself. I think it was like it was like an overhead kick, wasn't it? It was like a great finish. Yeah, um, and then for yeah, Richarlison to like finish. bundle in a goal right before halftime. And make it two two at halftime. I mean, it was heartbreaking that there weren't more goals scored. Everton can, they're probably gonna be really pissed off with themselves because Arsenal, off the back of that uh, away win at Olympiacos on Thursday, they really faded in the in the latter part of the second half and conceded a bunch of chances that Everton, well, Leno did really well to save a couple of them, but Everton at the same time have to be absolutely kicking themselves over not finishing off a couple of those and at least getting a draw. It's uh, yeah. you know. Little margins. You want to hear a wild? You want to hear a wild Arsenal stat? Go for it. They haven't lost in the calendar. Well, no, year we've yet. been bringing that up and shitting on them for it because <laughs> they yeah. had like a run of four straight draws in the league. <laughs> they it, won it, on New Year's Day and then they yeah. didn't win again until that Newcastle four uh, nil. That wasn't. That shouldn't have been an actual four right. nil. But you know, right? The right. the Everton thing. Uh, it was going really badly for them. Until uh, Kolasin actually got injured in like the 15th minute, 20th minute, something like that. They were down Mm -hmm. 1-0. Everton were all over them. They bring in Saka, the the 17 or 18-year-old who's been playing left back for them, but has been converted from like a left slash right winger to play left back. And they immediately snap back into life and he plays in the cross for Nketiah to score the first goal. A really, really great goal. And... uh, you know, just overall, he was the catalyst to Arsenal changing their performance around and actually being able to hold onto the ball and, and you know, find spaces in behind out wide, not only for Saka, but for Aubameyang too. 
um, who obviously scored the second and third goals. So, yeah, good performance for Arsenal. But at the same time, you still think to yourself, like, oh, for the Arsenal to win, they have to score three or four goals. Which, you know, that's not a consistent model for uh, winning games in the Premier League or, or needing to win games in the Premier League. You need to score three or four, then you still have problems, man. Yeah. The wild thing is that Arsenal and Everton, they need to do damage and they need help, but they're really not out that far out of it. I mean, Arsenal's only on 37 points. That's, that's you know, only seven behind Chelsea. Everton on 36. Like, I, I it's just, not impossible. I just think the results will slip. I don't slip. think it's going to happen. The results will slip at some point soon. I'm not saying they'll fall off the face of the earth, but it will get to a point with so many games left and even with like a manageable uh, gap, like seven points or even like five points, it gets to a point where they'll probably weigh up the two options of Premier League or Europa League. Which one do we want to well, rest players like Aubameyang and Lacazette to make sure that they're ready for one or the other? And that's hard to do with Thursday, Sunday football, which they're probably going to have for the, or Thursday, Monday football, which they're probably going to have mm-hmm. for the majority of the rest of the season if they go on a Europa League run. I, I just, Again. I just think they're gonna, they're gonna favor Europa League. There's so few teams that have the amount of quality that they have that are willing to take it that that seriously right now. Like Manchester United might yeah, be the only other one, and they're right. They're in a far better position in the league than Arsenal are. So, it's uh, it's a bigger uh, question. Here's a couple. For them. Here's here's some teams that Arsenal still have to play this year. You got Manchester City away. You've got Wolves away. You've got Leicester at home. Tottenham away. Liverpool at home. They might lose all of those. What do you think of the idea that? <laughs> what What do you think of Liverpool's chances of of uh, some kind of drop off once they wrap up the title? And I'm talking about in the league only. Do you think it then becomes really um, that much about like going undefeated and staying undefeated, or do you think they uh, they're assuming they're still in the Champions League? They turn their focus to that. I mean, I think if you win the league in the next four games, which they could, because you got Watford, there's you got so much time. you got <laughs> if you there's somebody else, left. and then Crystal Palace. Well, I think you might see like a Harvey Elliott get his debut. And I think you might see like Nico Williams, who's the right back, who's played well in the in the cup games, get a debut. And I think maybe Curtis Jones get his Premier League. He's a midfielder. He gets his debut. I think there's a chance that Klopp's going to give these kids a shot. But my counterpoint to that is what happened to Everton in the... In the Carabao Cup, when Liverpool did rotate the squad, or the FA Cup, yeah, when they, Liverpool did totally rotate the that's squad. That's Everton. I'm talking about like other there. game. I'm talking about like away Arsenal. No, but I, and I mean away Arsenal. I'm looking at that that I, I game at Anfield that Chelsea have the second to last game of the season. And if we're in a top four race mm-hmm. and you guys, I don't know, like are in a Champions League semi final or have a Champions League semi final around then, guess what? Like. We're going for that game, and you guys, like, yeah, you'll try to yeah. win, but it's going to be probably like eighty percent as much as if that game meant something. Steve Akarigi is, yeah, it's Steve Akarigi is starting that game. You know what I mean? Or, or I mean, I wouldn't guarantee a win for Chelsea. You guys haven't lost there for two years, right. but at the same time, I would think there's no better time than now. Like you've wrapped up the league, and like that that same thing applies. I think like to Arsenal hosting you guys, they it, it'll mean way more to them at that point. Yeah, but I mean, I know Klopp. Klopp is still going to want to dunk on everyone. What I'm is what I'm saying. Like I don't think he's gonna just like beat Watford, Bournemouth, Everton, and Palace, and just like, all right, we won the league. We'll just focus on your and Europe in the FA Cup if they go through against Chelsea, which I think we'll talk about in a little bit here. But 
I still I still see him giving valuable minutes to young younger players who have shown that they can play at a top tier level, and I don't think he'll rotate the squad as heavily. And here's the thing: Salah and Mane still want to try to win, you know, Golden Boots. You're still going to have players like competing for a variety of other things, even though they might have the they might they legitimately could have the league won and dusted before the international break in April. In March, March. yeah, I think it's in March. Yeah, that's yeah, Yeah. that's obscene. It's it's just dumb. I think I've used that word way too much to describe (laughs) to describe Liverpool this season. Obscene. Yeah, Uh, I I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, Let's look ahead to this weekend. We'll start with Bournemouth hosting Chelsea. This is one of the ten o'clock. Do you want to like just Uh, like mention some of the other Champions League results today? Top of my head, yeah, yeah, we can do that. Or I guess this midweek. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the Chelsea Bayern game in a, in like a, literally a second. But Chelsea lost three 0 at home to Bayern Munich. Um, what was the other game? Uh, Barcelona drew one one with Napoli. Um, the only team who seems to beat Liverpool these days. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and I think is in like fifth or sixth in in Syria and somehow got a draw with Barcelona. Yeah. Um, and then because the pitch and then sucks. today Leon pulled off a really unexpected 1-0 win another mid-table team but in France uh, 1-1-0 at home against Juventus and then as you mentioned earlier Man City came back uh, from a goal behind to beat Real Madrid 2-1 at the Bernabeu so uh, another eventful Champions League week yeah I uh, we got we got I think a week off and then we're back to a week or two off I didn't think we're back to it I just had Liverpool's schedule in front of me and I could find out hang on yeah, we've got we've got a week off, and we're back on March 11th. So that's they got to do that because uh, the Europa get... League has an extra round. So you know they got to they got to fit a Europa League yeah. round in two Europa League rounds in one Champions League round. Did they do that in the first round? Can't relate anymore. Yep, buddy. me neither. Can't. Re- <laughs> um, Bournemouth take on Chelsea this Saturday, 10 o'clock. Uh, Bournemouth. Chelsea's a little bit, a little bit of that bogey team, but Chelsea coming off a huge win in the league, two-one win over Tottenham. Olivier Giroud got surprisingly got the start. He scored in the 15th minute. Alonso scored in the 48th, and a Rudiger own goal gave Tottenham uh, one goal. But how did you feel about Chelsea coming out of that game, and how do you feel about them going into this league game here against Bournemouth on the road at the Vitality Stadium? Well, as we as I kind of teased earlier, it was a decently high high as this season uh, goes i mean the the wins at tottenham the 2-0 win and the 2-1 win at uh arsenal around december within a week of each other were probably like the biggest results or or the away win at ajax but it's probably our biggest home win of the season it's been a pretty decent struggle uh, at home this season uh this against the, the top teams so to get a home win when tottenham were once again, like one point behind us, they could have finished the weekend in fourth if they'd uh, managed to win at Stamford Bridge. Uh, but instead, we got a four-point gap on them, and I think a two- or three-point gap still on uh, Manchester United. So um, it was absolutely pivotal in that regard, and it was a at the time it felt like a huge tactical win for Frank to make that switch again. Not really a surprise, but. Uh, he hadn't been playing the the 3-4-3 three, consistently just in tight spots like he did with the away game uh, the away win at Tottenham earlier uh, the 3-4-3 three, three makes sense 
in that N'Golo Kante went down the week before with the injury. So the three-man midfield is you're still able to play it if you drop Mason Mount into it. But instead, he elected to uh, keep the, the, I guess, experience of Giroud, who's coming into a European championship year and didn't get his move away to get playing time uh, coming up to play with France, who he just started at the World Cup for and won that with them. Um, he's giving him his playing time now in two absolutely huge games. And to get the best out of him, he played Ross Barkley and Mason Mount as the two sort of inside forwards who also had the job of dropping in and basically help make up the numbers with Kovacic and Jorginho in midfield and make sure they didn't get overrun. Thankfully, at home against Tottenham on Saturday, we were against a completely depleted Tottenham. So that was pretty easy to do. But to have the naivety... To play that again against Bayern Munich, I I didn't completely agree with it, but though I can see Frank's side of it. You know, you just got one of your biggest home wins. There's plenty of injuries in the squad or players coming off injury, like Tammy Abraham, that you, you, you kind of just go with what's working in the moment. I get it. But Bayern Munich, the quality that they had from top to bottom, especially in midfield with... Uh, uh, Tiago and Kimmich sort of pulling the strings and and Muller dropping in and Lewandowski drifting out to these wide areas. I know I'm overlapping on games a bit here, but it, it just really highlighted the, uh, the the difference in class at the, the very highest level in the Champions League. <laughs> that even if you're playing a team like Tottenham, who admittedly have injuries but still have good players at home, there could be... There could be a big difference in how a team like Tottenham under Jose Mourinho approaches attacking that 3-4-3, which they didn't really even do. They pretty much stayed in their Mourinho shell the whole time. And there's a big difference between that and Bayern Munich coming in and and knowing that they can have some they can have some joy here. And just to talk about Tottenham a bit, you have to be really disappointed as a Tottenham fan, because even without Son and Kane, like you still look at Chelsea and think we can get a couple goals out of them. Like they're not playing well. They're not like defending well. It was like, it, it, it was, you don't expect, you don't, you're not surprised by Mourinho doing the whole defensive masterclass uh, tactic. But at the same time, you think you, you could look at Chelsea's lineup and think to yourself, oh yeah, we can get at them. And, and instead they just sort of laid down and played dead. So kind of takes a little bit of the shine off it for, uh, for Chelsea. And it, we were kind of reminded of our actual level by a, a proper world-class team like Bayern Munich a couple of days later. But I don't think it's a backbreaker. It's We got through that three-game stretch of Man United, Tottenham, Bayern Munich, still in fourth place with a little bit of a, a bump, and we didn't lose to Tottenham. So I guess I can take that. But this Bournemouth game, like you said, I, I think Bournemouth outside of the top six teams, outside of like Man United right now, they're the biggest bogey team to us. They just came to Stanford Bridge with a ton of injuries and on terrible form back in December and beat us 1-0 and absolutely shithoused their way to a win there. They spanked us 4-0 in, uh, down in Bournemouth last year under Sarri, and it was probably the most... I think it was right before we lost 6-0 to Manchester City. Um, so it, there's a chance here that they get some kind of result because you can make the case that Bournemouth probably need it probably even a little bit more than we do. They're, they're, they're still yeah. floating around that relegation zone a little bit, just above it, but still close to it. Yeah, uh, that the Bournemouth straight up money line plus 380. I'm not going to tell you to bet that because I'm not betting this weekend. I'm just saying that if there was a flyer I was going to take, it's that game. It's the it, Bournemouth plus 380 with the success they've had against Chelsea. 
it should that that makes sense. The thing is, though, you look at Bournemouth's form. I mean, you're coming off a three nothing loss to Bur- to Burnley away. Uh, they lost two one to to Sheffield United. Their last win was the beginning of the month when they beat Aston Villa two one. They lost to Arsenal. They did. I mean, they they beat Brighton, but like I I kind of feel like Chelsea's going to come into this game a little bit more motivated. But I I really have no idea what to pick in this. This should be a Chelsea win, but. It should have been a Chelsea win plenty of other times against Bournemouth. Let's see if they can pull off some side of... I, know, I do think we should stick with Giroud up top, though. I love Tammy, but yeah. he keeps getting rushed back from these little injuries he gets. He keeps trying to play through games with injuries because he, he knows he's got a huge opportunity here, and so far he's taken it. He doesn't want to take that for granted. I think I teased uh, earlier when the transfer window closed that Giroud still had like a really big part to play this season. Now that Chelsea's main obstacle to retaining top four is arguably going to be how we approach breaking down these low block teams. And I think it's fair to say that the Bournemouth traditionally haven't been like a low block defensive team. Whenever they've played us, they resort to that. And it's frustrating because you think to yourself, like, why can't we play against this like open attacking Bournemouth? Like, why do like why do they always treat us like differently? But at the same time, that's the reality. I would much rather have Giroud's experience and, and ability to combine with players making runs off of him. Like he works so well with Mason Mount. And Mason Mount's been playing his absolute ass off these last three games. He's I, I can't say like enough good things about him and his work rate and his like willingness to do all the things that certain other players, <coughs> Willie and <coughs> even Eden Hazard wasn't willing to do the work off the ball uh, that Mason Mount has been willing to do as a forward player. And those those qualities just get highlighted when you're playing next to an experienced uh, center forward like Giroud, who isn't necessarily selfishly like looking for goals. He's looking to make the best play to get the team get the ball in the back of the net for his team. So, uh, if he retains his spot, I'm more confident about winning at Bournemouth than I might be with like a an injured slash hobbling Tammy Abraham. Like Tammy will have another chance this season, but I think right now you just kind of have to ride Giroud a little bit. All right, let's jump over real quickly. Watford hosts Liverpool on Saturday at 12.30. I unfortunately am going to have to miss this game because my dad is coming to New York to... We're going to some museum to watch 2001 A Space Odyssey in, like, actual film. How heartbroken are you about missing Watford away, though? Like, you guys usually win there, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I will say I am a little concerned because Liverpool have not been as organized at the back. Like, you look at, like... Of the three goals that we conceded in the last like week, two of them are coming off set pieces, which is usually the polar opposite for what Liverpool has done on set pieces this year. Either we're scoring when the opposition has one, or we're scoring off one ourselves. So yeah, I'm a little like, little concerned. I don't know if Watford's really going to be able to punish us. Like, who's going to play that ball into Troy Deeney? I really don't know who's whipping that in. That's that's a ball that I'm actually afraid of. Maybe it's Ricardo Pereira, but it really hasn't been all year. So we should just wax Watford. The more notable part about this is that Liverpool are going for their 19th straight win, which would break the 18-game winning streak that Manchester City set uh, two seasons ago, which Premier broke League the 14-game winning streak. Se- yeah. yeah, that's so yeah. impressive. It's the 14 games that Chelsea did under Conte. So the fact that we, you know, we've been doing this podcast, we're on our fourth season of this podcast, the fact that we've seen this record get broken potentially three times in the four years that we've done this is pretty amazing. I think it tells a very large story about how the top teams in the Premier League have distanced themselves from uh, 
the pretty much the rest of the league these last couple of years. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, let's jump over to Sunday. Everton take on Manchester United. I think this one has a the, a very good possibility of being a lot similar to that Arsenal game last weekend. This one is the thing is though for Everton, this one's at home. They had to go to the Emirates. Um, they do have to deal with Bruno Fernandez. They do get the bonus, however, of Manchester United coming off of playing in the Europa League on Sunday. So, I think that plays into Everton's hands here. I don't know if I like either team in particular to win this one. I do love the over 3.5, which is set at plus 260. I know Manchester United has been on this little bit of run of good defenses, but I love the attacking flair that Everton has gotten out of their players for the last few weeks. I really do think that Everton can get in behind and take down some of these Manchester United and and handle Harry Maguire or Eric Bailly or whoever the hell is playing back there in that back four for Manchester United. I I think Everton can get on the score sheet a couple times. I wouldn't be shocked if Manchester United can do the same. I love that plus three and a half. And plus, if you're getting a plus three and a half at plus 260, that means you're getting, let me pull it up right now, plus two and a half has to be at pretty decent odds. So... Yeah, plus two and a half goals is plus 104. That's a 2-1 Manchester United or Everton. Yeah, United. take the 3.5. Take the over on that. That's, be- that's better. Um, yeah. That's- but I will say, though, I know you did, that's not necessarily a commentary on how you, which way you think it's going to go. But for Everton, I think you have to queue up Admiral uh, Akbar here and say it's a trap because at home, the way they've been playing and uh, much more attacking under Ancelotti and... You know, kind of raising their level to what where they believe they should uh, be at in the league at home, trying to dominate possession a little bit more, maybe not go too crazy with it. I just feel like they could just walk into a buzzsaw here and just get countered a couple times, and all of a sudden it's it's two nil at halftime, and they're just reeling, sitting there thinking, "How the hell do we get back into this game?" Yeah, I don't think United are perfect, but I think they're playing well enough right now. Um, and that and that Europa League game is at home. Uh, against who is it? Bruges, and they they got a one one draw at yeah. Bruges last week. It's a tough team. Yep. They were in the Champions League early, earlier this season, and they got a two 0 lead at the Bernabeu before Real Madrid came back and got the tie. Um, so they're, they're they're no easy uh, task on Thursday, but it is at home. You feel like they should take care of business in that. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, it feels like less of a of a daunting task for United than it kind of seemed like for Arsenal. I'm just going to take the, the the standpoint with Ancelotti and with Everton. Until I see them do it, I'm not going to favor them against uh, like a top six side. Because, you know, they had their chance right away against Liverpool in the FA Cup when you guys played the kids. And I know it was Anfield, but they should have given a better account of themselves than losing 1-0 and looking like the second best team to a, a field full of kids. And then they had this chance at Arsenal and they were extremely wasteful. So I'm just going to play it easy and probably lean more towards Man United, even if it is away in this one. All right, I just want to throw it out there. In the last four games that Everton has played, over three and a half is hit in all four. Yeah, ride it. Ride the wave. So, yeah. 2-2 draw against Newcastle, 3-2 victory at Watford, 3-1 victory against Palace, and then a 3-2 loss against Arsenal. So, yeah, uh, over three and a half goals. Just, Just... Just throwing it out there. And now at the same time as that game, you got another really top-notch game. This one's actually got a little bit more Champions League for... Well, I mean, both of them honestly have potential European qualifications. And that would be Tottenham taking on Wolves. This one's at Tottenham, 9 o'clock. I, can't, like, I know I pick Wolves all the time. But with this like 
ultra negative style that Mourinho. I feel like this game might not be fun to watch at all because <laughs> Mourinho has been playing. This is the same time as Everton Mar- Man United. Yeah, yeah. No this this one, this one. It's like I would take almost take the under one and a half goals because this one I don't think is going to get as open. I think of the two teams, it's going to be more aggressive. I think it's going to be Wolves because they're a healthier team, but they're also coming off the Europa League now. They they like. Like lambasted whoever they played in the first round. I think they won four nil. Espanol and yeah, Jota, they just he's been great the last two games. Scored the hat trick against yeah. Espanol, and then on the weekend I think he got another goal against Norwich, maybe two. I can't remember, but yeah, he's all of a sudden just snapped into form uh, when uh, Adama Traore has dropped out of it. So yeah, they've they've got they've got plenty of players to make up when uh, other ones aren't necessarily putting the ball in the back of the net, um, but. It is an interesting prospect of two counterattacking, essentially counterattacking teams, uh, basically playing hot potato, <laughs> like basically trying it's to trick the other one to come out of their half with the ball and try to try to attack them and try to set a trap for them. So um, it, it's hard to say who's who's going to come out on top. It's probably easier to just say Wolves should just win this. They're the healthier team and playing better right now. But I think there's a there's a solid chance for like a draw here, like a one one or a nil nil. I think that could happen. What's wild? Since Wolves got back to the Premier League in 2018 and their like six year absence, the home team has never won this 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 tie. Oh really? Like, well, there's been a lot of draws like, in there too. No no no. Spurs have won at the at Wolves the the two games they've played. And Wolves won the one game that was played at White Hart Lane last year, or played on at Wembley. Oh yeah, last I forgot year. Tottenham beat Wolves away this season. I th- I kind yeah. of thought that was a draw. I always think of that as yeah, a draw, so- even though Tottenham got the winner eventually at the end. But yeah, but Wolves always play well against them. Like I don't, I, I th- could think of one game at Molyneux that Wolves lost and didn't didn't really look like on the pace at all in that. But even when they lose to Tottenham, they usually make a good account of themselves. I feel like so. Yeah, well, they do that against most top teams. Like Patricio's put this built not this Chelsea team earlier this season. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's we beat fair. them like five yeah, two. <laughs> yeah, Liverpool. Liverpool have beaten them well, but they've always given us a they've always given us trouble. Uh, Wolves at plus two twenty. Uh, Spurs at plus one thirty five. Just throwing it out there. Um, and as uh, in case you didn't mention, we did not mention any Arsenal game coming up this weekend. We didn't mention any Manchester City game coming up this weekend. Probably wouldn't have mentioned Aston Villa, but Aston Villa will be taking on Manchester City in the Carabao Cup final. That's at eleven thirty on Sunday. Uh, the most notable storyline I've heard about going this into, into this game was that Manchester City, up until last week, like hadn't sold out all their tickets yet. Which, I mean, when you, you know. go to Wembley like eight times in three years, it kind of takes the shine off of it. Yeah, I also saw some City fan tweet about how there like weren't any more trains after the game back to Manchester. So it's like you know you got to get to work on Monday. But yeah, like, one, I mean it's one thing trophy? for like Chelsea fans or you know Manchester United fans to go to. <laughs> <laughs> to go to Wembley, you know, get that joke. There's a bunch of Man United fans in London. All their fans are in London. Yeah. See, yeah. common common joke or a common dig at United fans uh, uh, in England, inside England. Um, That's because all the people from Manchester are actually City fans. The rest of the Manchester United fans okay. just you know take the train up know. on Friday. I, I, these are conflicting narratives with City having no fans and <laughs> and United's fans all being in London. But what was I going to say? 
Yeah, no, I think there's definitely a factor to it where it's a Carabao, it's their third straight Carabao Cup final. You know, last one, last year's one was at least against Chelsea and was like a pretty eventful game. That was like the sorry blow up at Kepa mm-hmm. game and the oh, the, wow. the penalties. Um, Chelsea, oh, man, I still feel weird about that one. I still feel like we should have won that. <laughs> but whatever, it's a Carabao Cup final. The point is... It's, they, they won the FA Cup last year. You go to Wembley for the semifinal and the final. Uh, if you win the semifinal, obviously. So that's two trips last season. Three trips, counting the Carabao Cup. Four trips, if you count playing Tottenham away. The big thing about these cup finals is that you're getting an opportunity to go to Wembley. And for Villa, they, they've they been to Wembley a couple times recently, too, with the playoff finals. But this is a whole different animal. But yeah, this is an actual trophy. This is something that means something. And I'm not going to suggest they can or they will get anything out of this. But it's it means two completely different things to those two fan bases at this point in time. So I think it's, it's kind of makes sense to think that, you know, City aren't going to sell out their tickets or do quite as well as, as Villa would with, with their allocation. So... Should Phil Foden start this game for Manchester sure. City because they're just going to lambast? They, they should start Aguero. They should they should make make it up to him by saying, "Hey, listen, you got the full ninety minutes in the cup final. We'll feed feed you all the balls you want. Go out there and score a hat trick and win us some, another piece of silverware to kind of get people off our back." You know, he'll still demand to like play after that, but that's because he's Sergio Aguero. But you know, you can throw him a bone and have your backup center forward be Sergio Aguero come on for a cup final like this and and, and win it for you. Yeah. Uh, on scale of 1 to 10, what percentage, or, you know, scale 1 to 100, what percentage chance do you give Aston Villa in this game? Uh, 25%. Oh, wow. I was going to say like 4, but... No, okay. I mean, there could, be, there could be a red card, there could be a VAR penalty, there could be anything. There's, it's, it's it's one game. You got to... You gotta... Andrew... Liverpool came back from three goals down against Barcelona. Without Mohamed Salah and without Roberto Firmino. People forget that. I don't think anyone forgets that. I think that's a, a very commonly used thing to be like, anything can happen. Tottenham came yeah, back from point. 2-0 down in Amsterdam to score three goals in the final like 20 minutes. Like, There's been some crazy yeah, stuff happening in single games recently that you can't just be like, oh, Aston Villa are completely doomed. Like, They could definitely get something out of it. Yeah, but they could also lose six nothing. Yeah, that's, that's the game you play. I mean, if you want to, if you want to act foolishly like Watford and go out and attack City, that's what's going to happen. But you know, the Aston Villa aren't going to do that, so maybe they can keep it tight. I mean, only hey, lose one nil, maybe they, get an equalizer right before full time and get to penalties or something. They did keep it tight against Liverpool. We only, it took us until like stoppage time to get the winner. So I, you know, they they've been capable at times. I don't think they have a chance, but that's that's just my two cents. Uh, before we wrap it up, well, Alex, City were supposed to play Arsenal this weekend. That's uh, I think you mentioned we didn't uh, that we didn't mention an Arsenal yeah. game because they were scheduled to play City actually still on Sunday. That was going to be a great Premier League uh, <laughs> slot yeah, of solid games. Premier League day. Uh, the thing I wanted to bring up: well, Arsenal instead are just going to play the FA Cup on Monday against Port uh, Portsmouth. against uh, Portsmouth. But we've got a little ghost gold bowl in the FA Cup on Tuesday. How seriously are you guys taking this? I think we're going to rotate, but I still kind of trust our rotate. I don't. And here's the thing: I don't think it's going to be a full rotation. Like whoever doesn't start against Watford of Oxley Chamberlain and Naby Keita probably starts. James Milner probably starts. Uh, maybe you see Adam Lallana start. I think you see Divaka Rigi start. I think you see uh, Matip and Dejan Lovren come in to get minutes. 
Um, so the B team, I not think, the kids. The yeah, B it's going to be the B team. It's not going to be the kids. But yeah, it's, I think you're going to have a B team with like a mix of the kids. Like I think maybe you get a Harvey Elliott out there at right wing, but then on the left you've got Adam Lallana and and Divac Origi. And I think uh, I think you know maybe you get a Larucci and a Nico Williams, but you've also got Dion Lavrin and Joel Matip, and you've got you've got Adrian, not Casey Keller. How, how great would it be the, if Lampard and Klopp just you know reached out to each other when the draw or when Liverpool went through and Lampard just said, hey, gentlemen's agreement, U23s only. You've already done it plenty I'm of times. All in. I I'm would be all I would just be that. like, oh my God, our kids versus their kids. Let's do it. I don't even care. Like that, that I'm in screw for. the FA Cup. I just want to see Billy Gilmore and Ian Matson at left back and Reese James still play. I mean half our team would be like starters still. It would be like, oh Mason Mountain yeah. and Reese James and Callum Hudson Odoi and pretty good players still. I I would be disappointed about that because we loaned Rion Brewster to Swansea. He's doing well. Like he's picking up assists and goals. He's like he's like Thanks playing to well down there. Gallagher set him up a few times. <laughs> yeah. Uh I, he's like it's like him and Harvey Elliott are the two. Although I will say Curtis Jones, every time he goes out there and plays, he impresses me more and more. But I don't know where his actual position is because Klopp's playing him as like this like a t- more attacking midfielder, but from what I've read, he's more of like a number eight, but he doesn't. Yeah, he's play like a box to box midfielder, from what I've seen. But yeah, yeah, uh, he excites me. I don't, I don't know what the hell's gonna happen, but yeah, I, I think, I think you're gonna get a combination of the B team and the top of the the, the kids is what you're probably gonna see, and then probably a Mane or Salah on the bench in case we're losing and Klopp decides. Because I, I think I'll, I've said this before, I would take a treble over. Oh, you take a treble. I take a angry. treble over over the Invincibles. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Never have I uttered the words I'd take a treble. I mean, I guess I'd settle for a treble. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would. Because the mean, only treble like you guys good. can win at this point is a Champions League, Premier League, FA Cup treble, which is the treble. Not that's a not deal. a treble. That's not a big that's deal. That's the treble. Not a big deal. We well, would win you've five never done it before the, in your club's season. history, so I would imagine that's we- a big deal. <laughs> I mean, we've 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 won a League Cup, Champions League, and the Premier League not, in the same year in the seventies. No, you have not. Yeah, Man United did. are the they only English that. team to ever win all three in the it's same not season. Not true. Look it up. That, that's the thing. They they won the League Cup, not the, the only FA thing Cup. that could possibly. No, they won the FA Cup. No, no, no. When Liverpool did it, they did it in the seventies. Look it up. One of the years they won the the European the European Championship in the seventies. They won a League Cup and the Premier League in the and the English First Division in the same year. It's a real thing. The I League Cup. You, look it up. Then that doesn't count. Yes, that's we're, yeah. We're talking about the FA Cup. I understand that, but they have but won a treble. But before, that's not the treble. Okay. I understand that. Maybe but this it's is maybe this treble. is a maybe this is just a uh, I don't know a cultural thing. But it's like it's th- there's a difference between Manchester City's treble last year and the 1999 Manchester United treble. I, I, All trebles are not created equal. What Jose Mourinho once claimed a treble of Carabao Cup, Europa League, and Community Shield. I'm not saying it's that it's like that, Liverpool, but it's different. Liverpool also won a treble in 2001. Yes, because and people made fun of them the for Europa that too League, when they called the it the League treble Cup year and the FA Cup. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was still impressive. Yeah. That was like a good season. Yeah, it was a really good season. A, yeah, that was like. But Liverpool uh, could win Gerard five and Carragher's like first trophies. Like that was that was yeah. a good season. But yeah, yeah, uh, they could win five trophies this year because the okay. Super Cup. All right, Club Let's World go. Cup. Okay, sure. All right. Did you win the car? Did you win the Community Shield? Or would you have counted the Community Shield if you had won it? Yeah, hell yeah, no, we would have. No, you wouldn't have. Uh, 
Uh, the point it, is, it, it, hey, real the, winning teams the don't count the Super Cup and the, the the Club World Cup. That's absolutely uh, allowable. Sure. So a qu- a quadruple. You're going for a quadruple this season. Okay. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. Can't get mad at that. Um, I'm just gonna draw. <laughs> I mean, that's like a. I mean, if you finish the season with a Club World Cup in December, an FA Cup, a league title, and a a champion. I mean, I, I don't think they'd get the Champions League if you got those other. If you got the Premier League and FA Cup, I think there's. I think there's a slip up in either either the FA Cup or the Champions League. I would. I think it'd be the FA Cup first, to be honest. You'd hope so if you're Liverpool, but you know it could be either. Yeah. You've already seen it kind of with the Atletico thing, but it's yeah. not over yet, though. But I'm not we're, we're dragging on I'm a bit worried. here. I'm just going to drop my bet of the week in there, uh, real quick. Uh, if I had it up ready to go, which now I do, I'm going to digress or uh, diverge from the Premier League. Take us to Spain, oh. La Liga, oh. Real Madrid, Barcelona oh. at the Bernabeu Sunday. Ooh. Real Madrid coming off uh, three losses in their last four games. I don't think they've won in that span either. The other one was a draw. Barcelona not in crazy good form themselves either, but did just recently jump Real to go top in La Liga. It's a huge game, only like one or two points separating them. But I'm going to play like it safe major and go plus 310 score draw. I like that. Because they just drew the first game, like, back in November or December, nil-nil. And it was the first time they'd had a scoreless draw in, like, 20 or 30 years. So I don't think it's going to be a scoreless draw, but give me the score draw. I think both these teams are limping considerably and don't want to slip up and make a mistake too much to allow the other to, uh, to surpass them. So... Yeah, I think it ends in a draw, but it could still be a really entertaining game. And I'm for sure going to be watching. That's going to be Sunday, and I think at 3 p.m. East Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Martin Braithwaite might get <laughs> No. Is Griezmann injured? Did he get injured? I thought he just scored today or yesterday. No, but no, I'm just saying that, like, that's a, that's a, that's No, they're going to save him for the Leganes game and be like, hey, listen, we're going to save him for the one game against you guys and just play him to in To relegate yeah. you. <laughs> just to add insult right, to injury. That wraps it up. That wraps it up here on the Ghost Gold Podcast. I'm Andrew Passaro. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Andrew Passaro at ASMOS92. Javier Rev9, he's not here, but follow him anyways. And at Ghost Gold Pod. Uh, until next week. See you.